Good evening, and welcome to episode two of DC to Bytown. My name is Jeff, and with me is my longtime friend Todd. This podcast is recorded remotely, with me being in DC and Todd in Canada's capital city of Ottawa, or as we learned in episode one, Bytown. Remember, everything we say could be fact or fiction. What's on tap for this episode, Todd? Got a real eclectic uh, evening of content, Mr. Jeff. Today we're going to start off with a review of the Spencer Confidential, a Netflix remake of the classic Robert Yerick television series Spencer for Hire, starring Mark Wahlberg. In the segment, we're also going to give you our thoughts on what are the aspects that are mission critical of making a, success, a successful action comedy. Example, having the protagonist in the film thrown through a plate glass window. That's an essential element of a good action comedy. As usual, we'll give you some additional streaming recommendations to consider. More importantly tonight, we're going to do a segment dedicated on self-care. We're all going through a challenging time right now, and change is being thrust on many of us. To that end, Jeff and I are going to discuss how you can best leverage technology to stay mentally and physically fit during these demanding times. Rounding things out, we're going to do an environmental scan of the sports world amid COVID-19. What current sport personalities or organizations are trending up and doing positive things for the communities? On the other end of the spectrum, which sports personalities organizations are coming across as less than admirable during these tough times? And for our football coaches out there, we recognize <laughs> that many of you uh, are missing the usual clinic season that would t- typically be upon us this time of year. A chance to brush up your skills and learn all the new techniques in, uh, within the football world. Technology has helped fill the gap with virtual uh, clinics, but Jeff is going to walk us through a strange event that transpired online on a virtual clinic he participated in. And to that end, we'll stay on that theme and saying, talk about coaching clicks gone wrong. Lastly, before we get off tonight, I'm going to give you a Spotify recommendation. Grab your time machine, folks, because I'm taking you back to a gentler, more simple <laughs> time. The independent, independent cafe in, in Montreal in the mid-1990s. So, Mr. Cave, let's get into it. Hey, sounds like a full docket. Before we really get into it, I just want to update uh, our listeners. We do have an email address that we started, uh, dc to bytown at gmail. If you have any thoughts, ideas for upcoming shows, or would even like to join us as a guest, feel free to hit us up. Now, let's get serious. There is a big update, Todd, uh, since our first episode, and it's a Tiger King update. Huge update. Netflix is releasing an extra episode of the docuseries next week, according to owner Jeff Lowe. So I'm going to ask you, Todd, what are you hoping to see in the bonus episode? Well, from our news, Zola, I think one piece of information that I absolutely have to get clarification on, why both a do-rag and an open <laughs> baseball cap at the same time? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, it's a look that's been kind of, you know, Jeff, it's kind of a look that's been kind of consistent throughout the series, and I want to get, I want to get down to what's under that, like, <laughs> what's driving that, that fashion choice. Uh, but beyond that, maybe we'll get some closure with Carol Baskin. Uh, you know, things could get interesting. So we're looking forward to it. We'll, we'll see, right? Things could. Uh, there's been pushback in many various forms uh, with Carol Baskin defenders. I've got some on my own social media post, so I'm anxious to see where this final episode takes us and if there is any Carol Baskin update. Hey, listen, our, our tent is big enough to include everybody, Jeff. We can, we can, we'll, you know, we got a place for the Carol Baskin sympathizers. All right. <laughs> we do, we do. All right, let's get into our Netflix review this week. Spencer Confidential. This was a pick you made, Todd. Give okay, me so a- listen, Matt, I'll say right out, I lobbied hard for this one, okay? Because <laughs> I think the action comedy genre is falling on hard times. So I'm going to say right at the outset, if you're a film elitist in our listening audience, <laughs> you know, I like water for chocolate, or maybe you want to tell everyone at a, you know, at a cocktail party, 
uh, when we used to have those uh, about how you watch Parasite in the Korean version with the subtitles. <laughs> Listen, zip it. Tough times call for tough measures. Action comedies are where they're at. You know, we need some levity. So go listen to Freakonomics or Gladwell if you're not into the action comedy genre. Just putting that up there right up front. The second thing, I really wanted to see this because Mark Wahlberg and Peter Berg have worked together. This is their fifth time collaborating. Look at the body of work, okay? You got Lone Survivor. You got the you know, Patriot Day. Remember Patriot Day? Welcome to Watertown! <laughs> okay? <laughs> you know, they, they got a history of working together and it's worked well. Um, and besides, you know, Wahlberg was really passionate about it because growing up in Boston, he, he kind of felt that Spencer for Hire was the only television show that did Boston justice. And it kind of made me laugh because I was kind of saying, picture the Wahlbergs like his teenagers sitting around at Dunkin' Donuts like, hey, Danny, you see that episode of Cheers last night? It's supposed to be freaking Dosta. They, fr- they filmed the thing down in freaking Weymouth, right? So you could tell Wahlberg was excited about it. But same, so I, again, I lobbied for this one. I want to hear your thoughts on it. Uh, walk us through the story. All right, so the movie centers on Spencer. He's a recently released convict, ex-police officer. He was thrown in jail after he assaulted his own captain. Captain, um, And the movie really starts on Spencer's release day. Funny, the same day he's released, the captain that he assaulted is murdered. Spencer becomes suspect number one. So in a weird turn of events, Spencer ends up in sort of a halfway house and teams up with a a new roommate, Hawk, to sort of solve this crime and and clean his name. And right from that point, I was a little lost. Why would Hawk even want to get involved with Spencer at this point? They have no history. They're not friends. And now I'm going to go solve a murder with this guy. He's He's an aspiring UFC fighter. And, you know, uh, he's a boxer. He's an aspiring (laughs) UFC fighter. And yet throughout the movie, the common theme was he didn't know how to throw a punch. This is this is a flaw with the story. He's not ready for Chuck. He's not ready for Chuck Liddell anytime. Clearly, clearly. You know, you talked about the Boston scene. I was looking for this movie simply for the Boston accents. That did not happen as well. Huge fail on the Boston accents. As a matter of fact, Hawk, the, the partner, had a British accent. So everything yeah, the only other the only forward. other Boston, the only other Boston actor in there was Mark Marin, I think, like who made who kind of appeared once in a while on a boat. <laughs> I'm with like, you. So why set the story in Boston? Uh, stay, trying to stay true to the series, right? Oh, I, I hear you, but that that didn't work for me. I'm going to tell you the best scene in my mind was when Spencer was reunited with Pearl, and Pearl is his pet beagle. That was the best scene in my mind in the entire movie. It was. It was fine. That's my review. I just don't think there was any chemistry between the two leads. The, the story just had the meet, become friends, solve a murder. There was no parlay. There was no back and forth. It just didn't work for me in that sense. And without the relationship, the movie couldn't stand on its own based on its story. I, uh, you know, I, 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 I will fully admit I was a little bit disappointed Um I kind of went into this understanding that, you know, you're not here for a, you're not here for a smart time. You're here for a good time. Right. Um, I kind of think of my dad, like, you know, my dad's 80. His favorite show of all time is NYPD Blue. You know, thanks to Danny Fermier, should have won like multiple Emmys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> favorite movie, Silverado. Like he's the, you know, you want something 90 minutes, start to finish, couple fights. Um, so like, you know, that kind of gave it to, to us. But again, I, I agree there was some, the, the failure was in the script. And my understanding is Peter Berg, uh, didn't write the script, right? And the other collaborations with Wahlberg, he did. So right. the, the 
deviated from the, the plan this time and it didn't work out as great. So, you know, not a great, but uh, I still think it has some merit. It's an easy watch. Some merit. You know, I watched it Saturday morning. It, it was fine. It was like watching an episode of, you know, Law & Order. It was just something to have on in the background. It was fine. I wouldn't watch it again. I don't regret watching it. But I hope if there is a sequel, it's done a little bit better. But do you think maybe, Jeff, like, do you think our palate over the years has gotten better? Like, you know, like, <laughs> I would hope the, so. You think, you think the analogy, right? Like, if we go back to 1980s and, I, you know, like, uh, I, the best coffee that you could potentially get would be like a Dunkin' Donuts or maybe a couple Folgers, right? Right, right. And over the years now, you know, we're drinking our Pike Place at Starbucks. Our palate's developed. It's kind of the same thing with movies. Other than the Fast and Furious series, there's not many action comedies out there. Like, these, these type of movies were a staple in the 1980s, right? Yeah. If you go back, you watch Beverly Hills Cop, Lethal Weapon, 48 Hours, Tango and Cash. I would argue a lot of those movies had some script issues too if we went back and rewatched them now, I think. So I think they tried to, Peter Burke probably tried to stay true to the genre. It just, you know, I think we've evolved as an audience, which may be a good thing, to be honest. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, Wahlberg was in another buddy cop movie and that was with uh, Will Ferrell and the other guys. And I thought that, that was, was really well done. That's a great movie. You know, obviously the actors elevated the story, but... Just the parlay, again, the relationship between both of them, the, the sort of the klutz, the, the tough guy, it just really worked. They all played off each other. And really, I went through a list of some great cop buddy movies and some, you know, some recent ones and some in the past come to mind. 21 Jump Street. I thought that was really well done. Great those movie. Yeah, those are funny. Right. Super classic Lethal Weapon. Danny Glover, Mel Gibson. Can't go wrong with that. The other guys that I just mentioned. Going through the list, though, I pulled up Nice Guys, which... Uh, which, which not necessarily a cop movie, but the Ryan Gosling, Russell Crowe movie. That was pretty funny. And I've Tango and Cash. Uh, Tango and Cash, man, classic. So yeah. I get, I think they tried to, I think Wahlberg and, and Berg held uh, true to the, to the genre, right? Because when you think of kind of all the, all the aspects of what we typically see in these action comedies, right? So first thing, the protagonist is a talented yet frustrated, frustrated misunderstood cop who works outside the lines. Because that was, that was like every, you know, like cop movie in the 1980s, right? Right, right. Back, Foldy, like, Foldy, you're a good cop, but you don't work within the lines. <laughs> like, I'm right. Like, I'm going to have your badge. Like, that, that came up every time, right? Film starts with the main character getting out of prison. Like, we've seen this in Hudson Hawk, like, Ocean's Eleven, Ant-Man. Like, it's like, <laughs> every time I just laugh because it's like, they're always going on to bigger and better things. Like, we never see a true to, true to form getting out of opening prison scene where, you know, like, maybe you're going to a halfway house and a dishwashing job at the Mandarin Buffet for <laughs> bucks an hour. <laughs> like, right. It's like, like right away, Wahlberg's like in an Armani suit, you know, perfectly pressed. Like you know, like he's you know, he's Alan Arkin's picking it up, and he's got a strut in his step, like he's going on to run a Fortune 500. Company. Yeah, wearing a suit, like the whole deal, right? It's the clothing and automobiles are not every commens- not always commensurate with their income, especially since right. they you know they're not dirty cops, right? Right. I think the other thing too, ridiculous fight scenes that include someone getting, like I said, getting through, through thrown through a plate glass window or hurled into a bar full, you know, like a, with a shelving unit full of wine glasses. <laughs> Yeah, like you look at the most the ridiculous scene, like at the the racetrack, right? When at the end, Wahlberg he's with Bookie Woodbine, right? He's kind of like his uh, antagonist, like the, the 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 dirty cop, right? So these guys they run around this racetrack and like firing off countless shots, and of course each firearm has like you know unlimited amount of ammunition in each clip, right? So they get to the end, Wahlberg has him, you know, a little bit over the top, like, decides <laughs> yeah. to empty the clip, like throw the throw the nine millimeter to the ground, and we're gonna we're gonna do this old school, we're gonna go like man to man. Oh, man, oh, like, you know, like, uh, uh, and fight it out, right? Like, just come on, like, a little bit over the top, right? Right, right. You know, I, again, it, it was fine. I'm thinking of what it did have, if we, if we think about it that way. Car, car chases, check. 
yep. your dog. Some good ones, Matty. Liza Sledgeinger, you know, driving that 18 wheeler. There you like, go. With, you know, like Aerosmith, like Sweet Emotion. That was pretty yep. good. That was yeah. Good. You had some explosions. I like it. Right. It, plot twist. I'm not going to give a plot twist. There was no, no real twist in there. And I'll also say that the villains were not that compelling for me. So well, post, post Malone with a face tattoo at the beginning. That was kind of, you know, was but he, he wasn't a main character. He <laughs> popped in, popped out. Um, I did, you know, I did comment on the face tattoos and all that. And, and he did get in there for a quick, uh, a shank in prison, which was appreciated. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> a shank in a prison, add that to the list. That's another pre- yeah, that, that is good for the, for the buddy formula. But other than that, it was it was fine. So, you know, the other thing I think about when I think buddy movies, because of watching this, I sort of went into the genre. And I really think the best buddy movies are not cop movies. When I think buddy movies, I'm thinking now Tommy Boy, Planes, Trains, Automobiles, Step Brothers, Wedding Crashers. Those to me are absolute classic movies that I can watch anytime. And, you know, yeah. More I comedy hope, yeah, I hope for another good one, you know, really, because in my opinion, we haven't had a really good one for a while. Soundtrack was pretty good, though. Soundtrack was good. Like, yeah. you know, if, if you were to drop into like an Ocean City Beach party, like in 1983, or like, you know, like a bodybuilding gym somewhere in New Jersey, like in the, in the 80s, like this had Foreigner, Boston, Aerosmith, like it was pretty good. Soundtrack was good. Pretty good. Absolutely. All right. So we'll wrap that one up. Let's talk about what we're doing now everyone's on quarantine everyone's kind of locked into their house what are some thoughts todd on trying to stay healthy during this quarantine well like i said like in, in all serious, seriousness right like we are going through a very demanding time we're going through change the one thing you can't control right now is your fitness or you might you know if you're lucky fortunate enough to be in good health you can control your fitness right so we wanted to t- you know talk about today some apps that you can use uh to kind of help motivate you and, and kind of help track your fitness and help you stay in shape and yeah, and then the comparison I always use, I no secret, Jeff, like you and I have talked about, it, I work with some some pretty high-ranking people within defense world, right? Like senior yeah. military. These guys are responsible for major combat operations, they're responsible for people, they're constantly dealing with change in like a like an unwieldy environment. But the one consistent uh, character trait that they have is self-care. They take care of themselves first thing in the day. They do their PT, their you know, their 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 training, their fitness routine, uh, like clockwork. So it's important. So that's what we kind of want to talk about today. Um, so I'll... Go ahead. Get us started, Todd. No, so yeah. So some apps that you can use. So one very simple. It's been out for about 10 years now. Uh, an app you can, you can put on your phone. Very good to track caloric intake, right? Lose it. Great app. So if you go in the app store, lose it. It's a free app. Um, a very comprehensive caloric uh, counter. So old school, right? With the idea of 3,500 calories to burn a pound. And you can actually have uh, defined a targeted weight loss goal for yourself. And any food you put in your body, any food that you find in a commercial grocery store, uh, even by product, even like, you know, produce, uh, whatever products you want, you can actually find the caloric value, easily put it in um, and kind of build out your, your caloric intake for the day. But it also tracks your calories as well. And you can actually coordinate like a GPS function into it. So you can actually have a very regimented, uh, exercise and diet routine for free. And again, it's effective based on the same principles as Weight Watchers. So, you know, it's a, uh, if, if you're thinking selfishly, um, I always kind of think like the COVID-19, it's kind of like, if you kind of want to laugh about it and find some, some levity in it, right? It's kind of like summer camp, you know, like everyone in grade nine goes away to summer camp and everybody comes back a different person. At some yeah. point we're all going to gravitate back to the office. Uh, you know, the guy over in IT who you know, is going to come back with a beard, it's going to look horrible. Uh, you know, maybe <laughs> 
Melvin in finance is going to cut her own bangs, go with a bad <laughs> job, going to be a completely different person. Yeah. Come back a better you, you know? You got but, absolutely. I'll mention that app too. I have it on my phone. And, you know, you mentioned entering, you know, the information. What's great about the app is you can just scan the barcode of basically any product you buy. And yeah, all right. the information just self-logs, which is really convenient. Yeah. So what else do you have for us? So I got HomeCourt. So HomeCourt was an app developed by uh, a consortium of NBA players and financed by Mark Cuban. And basically it, is, it uses AI intelligence to track your basketball skills using the camera on your iPhone. So you set up your iPhone, you do a baseline, you do some different dribbling drills, you do some shooting drills, it films you, gives you feedback on your technique, but also compares you in an algorithm to other players across the globe. So my 14-year-old son's been using this. He tries to beat his skill time every day in the different skill testing components, and he can compare himself to, you know, kids his age all over the world. Um, so kind of neat. So it's got performance goals for, for each of the drills and skill components. But even if you're not like an aspiring basketball player, I'm not, like my son is, um, you can still use it to get in shape because like some of the drills, like, you know, like shooting 15 three-pointers in a minute or whatever, that's going to get you in shape. So if you want a, you know, a bit of a skill component and a sports element, uh, home court check it out so it's free NBA's made it free for everyone uh, until the end of May so that's cool so let me ask you this so if he's out there working obviously you need someone else to be filming is that accurate? no you can set it up actually to give you a technique where you basically they recommend actually popping it up against a water bottle wow okay they show you on the court all you need is a basketball court right so we have one in the driveway but you can go to your local park and, and do it as well so all right that what sounds cool okay what about you what do you got um, you know, I'm lucky enough and you know this, I have a Peloton at home and everyone sort of thinks Peloton's the bike, you know, it is the bike. It's an amazing apparatus. I've had it for a few years, but it's more than that. If you don't have the bike, just getting the app itself, it includes cycling workouts, running workouts, you know, whether or not you're on a treadmill, it has built in GPS for outdoor things, yoga, strength. It really does it all. There is a live component. There's workouts every day, but there literally is thousands of different workouts, different meditations, all within the app. And for $39 a month, I know it's US, I know we have a lot of Canadian listeners, but it's still cheaper than any gym, you know, around here. And it gives you everything you could possibly need to stay in shape mentally and physically. So it's I highly recommend. Say, it's funny you say that, like, you know, our, you know, you remember our friend Pat Bolt, right? So Absolutely. He's a busy guy. He's got kids. He's got a very big job. He's a CEO. Um, yeah. And he swears by it, swears by it, right? Like his kind of comments are like, there's no way I would push myself uh, on my own uh, an individual workout. Basically the group format in a virtual, in a virtual setting, it's convenient and basically pushes him. So he swears Yeah, and by I it. see him on there. We're friends within the app and on the bike so I could compete with him or see what he's done. And I will tell you, he is on it nonstop. It's really impressive. And just seeing that motivates me. So that's great. Um, another app that I highly recommend, it's called DDP Yoga. And I've had this for a while. It's based on uh, an ex-WWE wrestler, Diamond Dallas Page. You know, I'm not a wrestling oh, yeah. guy. You, the documentary. Right, right. He's been on a documentary. But essentially, he was a, a pro wrestler that hurt himself. He, he ruptured some, some discs in his back. And he, he wanted to get back in the ring. But yoga was just not working for him, holding those stretches. So he developed his own, you know, that he originally called it Yoga for Men. And DDP Yoga has taken off. There's an app. You can get the DVDs, like the P90 thing. But it's absolutely incredible. And it'll take you from, you know, even if you're injured, if you're morbidly obese, from working out, essentially sitting in a chair, that would be step one, to all the way up to pretty much high-level athlete um, workouts. So I highly recommend DDP Yoga. The app is incredible. Again, it's not very expensive. I want to say like $12 a month. But really worth it. Tons of 
live workouts. And obviously there's a library of things you can go back into. So that's a big one. Third one for me is walking. Now that I'm home, I'm on quarantine. I know it sounds simple, but I try to walk three to five miles every day. So on a podcast, do something just sort of get into my own mind space. I think it's really important to leave the house. So that's, that's a big one for me. Vitamin D brother. It's good. Yeah, man. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Let's talk, you know, moving away from, from the apps, let's get into the world of fitness and the coronavirus. Basically everything has been shut down, save for a few things, WWE and um, ultimate fighting, but everything else has been put on hold. So, you know, let's, let's make a list of some organizations or people who we give a thumbs up to, and then maybe a few that we're questioning or give a thumbs down to what's on your list, Todd. Uh, so leading off, I mean, obviously we saw this week, the New England Patriots. So Robert Kraft, right? Uh, his son, Jonathan Kraft, sits on the board of directors of the uh, Massachusetts General Hospital. And obviously the N95 masks are at a premium right now, very hard to come by. Um, so the Patriots fired up the 767 Boeing Airbus and actually flew it down to China at a shared expense of a million dollars each between the state and the New England Patriots. And they picked up over a million masks and brought them back to, uh, to Boston and actually dropped off 300,000 in New York because they knew New York was hemorrhaging as well. So yeah, I love it. Seeing, and I mean, we, there's all kinds of, of, of examples of uh, cash donations or dollar donations that different organizations are giving. And again, all this pales in comparison to our frontline uh, emergency responders, healthcare professionals, grocery store clerks, truck drivers. But again, just to see Robert Kraft leveraging the resources he has and the connections he has, and just to see the interview with him, he was so excited. Like he looked more excited than... Be, uh, being given the uh, the Super Bowl trophy from uh, from the commissioner, sure. you know, after Deflategate, right? Like he was like he was really ecstatic, and he said, "This is America, and we can do good things when we, you know, we we, we collaborate and work together." So I thought that was really cool. Yeah, I love it. That's on my list as well. You know, one thing I like a thumbs up to. It's a little thing, but for some of us, it means a lot. ESPN originally planned to debut a series, a Michael Jordan docu series, in June. But knowing that everyone's sort of trapped at home, they moved up this Jordan, I don't know if it's an eight-part series or so, to Sunday, April 19th. So it's a small thing, but to sports fans that have nothing else going on, it, it's a gesture that, that matters. And I'm, I'm pleased that ESPN did that. Well, what's going to be cool, too, is they're going to phase it out. So it's going to be, my understanding is it's going to be two episodes a week because they basically want uh, the communal response, right? Like everyone watching this as a community and kind of waiting the, the chapters to be released every two, every week or so. So... I think very cool. Yeah, very, very cool. Uh, do you have any more thumbs up? Yeah, uh, one, I've been listening to, I listen to, obviously listen to a lot of sports radio and I listen to New York sports radio. So Mike Francesa has been the longtime uh, sports radio lead uh, at WFAN, uh, the mm -hmm. fan in New York. And obviously he's had to shift to uh, talking about COVID-19. And just because he's such a die in the wool New Yorker um, and understand, you know, understands all the history of the city, he lived through 9-11, lived through uh, Hurricane Sandy. He's lived through all the tough points of, of uh, New York. So he's bringing a human element uh, to his broadcast. And he's actually encouraging uh, healthcare professionals to call in and give their, their view. And he's, he's been throwing them a lot of praise. But, you know, New York sports fans can be tough. And when New York Knicks owner, James Dolan, uh, got COVID-19, um, some of the fans had less than, uh, less than classy comments uh, to make online, right? So in quick time, um, Mike Francesa, who's been, you know, long time been criticizing uh, James Dolan in the sports world, came to his defense right away and basically called out uh, the, uh, the irate fans and the inappropriate comments, which I think was a classy move to do. Good, good move. Good move. So showing some leadership in New York City. So Mike Francesa is my guy. I like it. I like it. I'm going to give you a thumbs down, something that's, uh, that's come to light the last couple of days. And this has to do with Alabama football. 
And Alabama football recently gave every one of its players. Now, let's think. There's about 85 scholarship players plus walk-ons. So we're saying 100 kids. They gave every one of them eye watches to track their fitness while off campus, which in itself doesn't seem like a big deal. However, their conference that they're in, the SEC, instructed every program not to have any virtual involvement with student-athletes. So this all came to light when, when Saban had a press conference the other day and he said, yeah, we're keeping track of our athletes by the eye watches. I mean, this yeah. is Alabama at its best, skirting the rules. First of all, it's something that only a school like Alabama can do. I mean, just think of the cost. Not many schools can do that. There are schools that are upset right now. UT Texas is upset, some other schools. But it's just another way that, you know, ask forgiveness rather than permission. And Alabama is perfect at doing that so i'm giving them a thumbs down no, for skirting it's not a, it's not a time to push the envelope for that competitive edge in the environment we're in right like this is the chip winning football games and, and the physical fitness of our it should be about health and safety of your athletes the performance of physical fitness progression of your uh related to football should not be a priority right now absolutely and you know to get into that i'm gonna you know i know we're not talking politics but the president uh, mr trump had a meeting with all the top execs of the, the pro sports just the other day. And he's sort of preaching, we're going to get back. Hopefully the NFL starts on time in September. And, and this to me is a huge thumbs down, not so much that he wants to do it, but just by saying things like that, I think it's very dangerous. I think you're sending out the message that it's okay to gather in large groups right now. And I think we need to really let things settle before we make promises to people and, and continue to disappoint them. And really to go further on that, Todd, I'm going to ask you, if the NFL season opened in September and a leader, maybe it's Trump, maybe it's someone said, we're good to go. Are you attending a football game with 80,000 other people right now? Until world leaders on infectious diseases come forward, like the Anthony Fauci's and other world leaders and, and the World Health Organization comes forward and says, this is an appropriate and safe activity uh, for people to partake in. No. And I don't think anybody should. Right. And I think, I would hope that the NFL, and I think the NFL's got enough common sense, uh, despite if they're going to entertain, you know, uh, discussions with the president. I think they would have enough sense that they would consult uh, consult with, like I said, leaders in infectious diseases before they made that decision. To me, I think the NFL. I mean, they're pretty corporate. They're pretty buttoned down, and you know, I I don't think they would take that decision lightly. To me, it's more the Mavericks, right? The WWEs and the UFCs. Like you talk about Dana White. He was the last sports organization to call off their activities. So they had a UFC in mid-March. And I, yeah. admit I watched it because there was no sports on. So I was like, okay, well, at least there's UFC. There was no crowd. There's just not something right about it. Like, it didn't, it didn't sit well watching that fight. And they still have a card, UFC 249. They have a huge fight, like Tony Ferguson and Khabib. Uh, it's supposed to be mid-April. It's supposed to be in New York. And, of course, uh, Mayor Blasio uh, shut it down. Um, but they're looking for a locale to run this. And Dana White seems hell-bent and he's adamant, like, ah, we're going to go forward with this thing. We're doing the right thing for our employees. We're, we're bringing America some entertainment when they need it. And you know what? Like, I, this is all about the, the, the dollar. And I can't believe that their margins are so narrow. Both the WWE and the UFC made over $500 million each last year in revenue. Um, I can't believe that they're that hard-pressed. That we, had, You know, this is their priority right now. This is where their headspace is. I mean, even the fighter Khabib, who's like in Chechnya, a young guy in his 20s, like, he's like, I'm not going to go to your fight. Like it's over, you know, but again, you know, trying to find a replacement, no common sense. You know, just to jump on that one, I was reading today that WWE and UFC are two pro sports where the athletes have no union whatsoever. 
So there, there's no pushback from the athletes. They're told where to go and what to do, and they're kind of forced to do it. Now, think of it from the athlete perspective. Where do you even train? If every gym is closed, where are you getting the work in that's required? You know, where are you, where are you sparring? Exactly. I mean, you know, like for a UFC fighter, they have a card even after the April, the mid-April card, they have another UFC 250 scheduled for May. So they were doing some of the interviews with some of the fighters, and some of the fighters were kind of admitting, okay, like, hey, like, with the social isolation measures in place, how do we safely prepare for a fight? Like, yes, you can hit a bag in your garage. And even if, you know, you were to get like a Freddie Roach to come by your garage and like, you know, yeah. do some mid work or whatever, it's not the same. You're not getting punched in the face. Like, you know, like. Absolutely. Uh, I, guess, I mean, this is sheer greed. There's no doubt about it. And I'm a huge thumbs down for me on both of those. I know, I know right. WrestleMania was a success last night or, or whatever it was, but um, I'm going to pass on that one. I think we need to get everything else in order. These, these athletes, you know, they have to travel, they have to stay in hotels, they have to do whatever. And we're putting them at, at risk just by holding these events. So that's, that's a thumbs down for me. Last one I got, uh, Rex Ryan. So long time uh, defensive coordinator, you know, and head coach in the NFL. Um, had some comments, not very classy comments about uh, Mari Cooper's re-signing with the Cowboys. So, you know, in long story short, Cooper got a big deal, five years, a hundred million bucks. Uh, basically, Ryan berated the Cowboys and basically uh, referred to Cooper as a turd, right? Like said, this player, this player provides okay. no added value. He's a turd. That was his exact words, right? Okay. And, again, um, and I like Rex Ryan. Like, I've read his defensive book on the 46 defense. If you want to yep. read about defensive line play, he's the master. Um, and I kind of liked his, his, you know, like nonchalant attitude in the past, but this is over the top. And again, the environment we're in, you got to have some, you know, like, do you have rocks in your head? Like, really... <laughs> You know, anything you're going to say now, like to that degree, uh, in, in the big context, what everyone's going through, not welcome, unwarranted, and completely inappropriate for any ESPN personality. You know, you know not the first time Rex Rex has done something like that. He, he definitely needs to uh, taper what comes out of his mouth. But I wonder what kind of history they have. What would prompt him for saying that? I don't know. There must be something. There must be something driving that, right? I mean, yeah. uh, Ryan coached largely in the other division, but still, I don't know what... Uh, what could have been could, could have been driving that behavior but again totally unacceptable totally unacceptable all right interesting let's get into a segment on clinics gone wrong so you know for our listeners todd and i have both been football coaches we played football together that's how we really became good friends but over the years we both coached football and this is the time of year when coaches are attending clinics whether at different sites at colleges or virtually and we thought we'd share a piece called clinics gone wrong so I'll probably start with, with this one, Todd. And, you know, in the news, we're talking about Zoom conferences and what happens and people are hijacking Zoom conferences. So I'll share my story from, uh, I guess it was this Thursday. So I was on a Zoom conference with a coach from uh, University of Arizona. It was an offensive line conference call based on Zoom. He, he set out the invitation on Twitter. And about five minutes into the conference, uh, a troll got in and got completely naked and wouldn't get off now you know comedy ensued <laughs> but you know after after a few minutes when you realize they keep deleting this guy and yet he keeps coming back under a different username you know this is a real thing so you know naturally i screenshot it and uh shared it with a few people but that that's that's kind of a, a 2020 virtual horror story of a clinic gone wrong for me to start the year not a not appropriate learning environment, right? If you're teaching how to block the three technique and, <laughs> right. and it's going on offense, right? That's exactly right. And and you know, Giovanni, 
made it clear he wasn't interested in the three technique when he uh, jumped on the cliff. <laughs> different, so, different types of three technique. Yeah, yeah again, absolutely. It's like technology, right? It, it's going to exaggerate character traits that humans already have, right? Like when yeah. the internet, when the internet came to full to its full power, right? The end of the nineties, right? I always said from the outset, right? Um, internet is going to make the dumb people dumber and, and smart people smarter, right? And the same thing goes for weird sexual behavior. It's only going to heighten those uh, if you give them a platform, right? So a coaching clinic, a virtual coaching clinic ran by a coach from the University of Arizona, that may be a perfect outfit for uh, some derived human beings. So that's Absolutely. Good. Perfect platform to expose yourself, you know. Yeah. But what about yours, Todd? So you're, there's one you and I attended together, right? So yeah. Jeff and I went down to 2018. We went down to the Penn State Clinic, went down to College Station, Pennsylvania, drove all the way to the clinic. And this is a huge clinic. They get like 500 community coaches. Penn State staff are really welcoming. For about 30 bucks US, you get in, you get fed, uh, you get two in days, you get to watch the players in the spring practice. You get to hear from the head coach, Rich Franklin. They bring in alumni like Bill O'Brien and Matt Millen. And you really get a chance to interact with uh, some high-level coaches, some athletes, and also coaches from other programs. But these clinics, just like the virtual clinics, do attract some weird and interesting <laughs> personalities. So Jeff and I had it. We, you know, the first day was chock full of good information. We sit down. It's a buffet dinner. We sit down at a table. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, just by chance, we bumped into two individuals who actually were not coaches, but actually fans of the Penn State program who didn't know one another prior to arriving at the clinic but found each other and new best friends and they're sitting down at our table so we start talking trying to keep it small talk uh for whatever reason former disgraced coach one-time legend joe paterno comes up and these guys went on <laughs> and we talked about like joe paterno apologists at this <laughs> They were convinced that everybody from the governor of Pennsylvania to the U.S. Federal Department of Justice to uh, you name it, Matt Millen had it in for Joe Paterno. And that was his downfall. It was like, you know, a conspiracy that brought him down. And uh, the conversation got weird and ugly really quick. Um, yeah. Of course, good friend that I am. I, I, good friend that I am. I, I quickly made an exit for a second coffee. Yeah. <laughs> Left me hanging there for about 10 minutes. Uh, <laughs> and it just got weirder, I assure you. I was just uh, making. You know, I was just making sure I was going to text my wife to tell her I, she knew where I was, right? So if, if you and I had disappeared, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, this college football blood runs thick, and uh, you know, you can't say anything disparaging to anyone if they're, uh, you know, a fan of their school. And well, the Penn State fans were were living the dream. Oh, I don't know. You were talking some smack about the University of Alabama. I think the Tuscaloosa Alabama football fans are added. They're going to get together with the Carol Baskin <laughs> <laughs> friends for Carol Baskin community. Uh, oh God, they're all coming for me, Todd. It's okay. It's okay. I'm on lockdown here. Good. All right, let's wrap this up with Todd's recommendation of the week. Tell me about it, Todd. Okay, so again, we're going through. Like I said, we're going through tough times. I wanted a put together a mix on Spotify that you can listen to as you're firing up the current machine in the morning before you start <laughs> you're potentially working from home, potentially, you know, you're, you're looking after the kids. Uh, I mean, it's all great. Information is great. You could put on the talking heads on CNN or Fox and you can listen to Cuomo go on a tirade. You could listen to Anthony Fauci. He's got a lot of important salient information. Um, if you're watching CBC, you can watch Trudeau come out of the, his little cottage and, and talk. For <laughs> it's, this is all important stuff. You need this info. Maybe not the best thing first thing in the morning. You need to get your head right. So I put, I said, let, let me put a mix that's going to take you back to a more easier, less complex world uh, where the coffee wasn't good, but the ambience was always great. And for me, that was Montreal Independent Cafe in the 1990s. Right? So I got a mix. It's got a, a, a mix of Period pieces. So we got everything from a little bit of Oasis. We got our favorite socialist, Billy Bragg. 
uh, all kinds of stuff from the 90s. And then we're going to take it and we got some contemporary stuff like the Arkells and Lumineers. But again, something just to transition you from getting out of bed, starting your day, you're in a good headspace. So it's called Monkland, Monkland. So M-O-N-K-L-A-N-D Coffee House. And you can find it on Spotify. Check it out. Yeah, and I'll put the link into the in the notes. I listened to it last night. I actually listened to it twice. I love the playlist. What really got me uh, got me going was when you did back-to-back covers of Smith songs, especially with the German band that did a, a set with Counting Crows. Yeah, that was really Crows good. cover of uh, the Smiths. Yeah, the there's a light that Smith's, never goes out. Really good. Cover, second Smith's cover is actually by Dream Academy. A lot yeah. of people forgot about this one. If you remember the museum scene from Ferris Bueller's Day Off, yeah. looking at all the paintings, the Surratt painting, uh, that's the song. So again, really easy, gentle stuff. Um, good way to start the morning is getting your your first cup of joe in the body. Absolutely, and and just you know that that Billy Bragg song brought me back to Vanier College with you and our uh, film critique class. Those those were the memories that rushed through my head. So or the, or the Vanier radio show that never came to fruition. That's, yeah, you know, absolutely, oh, absolutely. 30, Thirty years later, close enough. Thirty years later, exactly. Hey, well, that's it for tonight. Next week, Todd and I are going to try to bring our first guest on. He's going to share his thoughts on living, teaching, and coaching in Baltimore. Thanks for listening. From DC, I'm Jeff, signing out. Passez bonne semaine, les gars. Merci,